Grace and mercy and peace are yours from God our Heavenly Father and from our risen and ascended Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God's word for our meditation this morning is the second lesson appointed for the Festival of Ascension from Ephesians chapter 1. Paul writes, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This is God's word. It's a moment I will never, ever forget. It's been just burned into my memory. And every time that I think of it, I go back to that night as I stood and looked up at the sky. The night that they strapped our three-month-old daughter to a bed and loaded her onto a Flight for Life helicopter for which there was not enough room for the parents to ride along. She needed emergency brain surgery for a bleed on her brain at the local children's hospital. It was not going to be soon enough to go by ambulance. And so we were going to have to say goodbye, get in a car and drive to that hospital. And by the time we'd get there, she'd already be undergoing surgery. I can't tell you what a helpless feeling that was. To look into the night sky and see that helicopter taking off how powerless I felt. No control over the situation, just hoping and praying that we'd see our baby girl alive again. And friends, I know that you've been in situations like that too where you've felt absolutely helpless and powerless. Where you've realized, I have no control here. There's nothing I can do. Maybe you've been in a car accident, and that's the feeling you have, right? As that car is coming towards you, and there's nowhere to go. This is happening. <laughs> you feel absolutely helpless and powerless, right, before that car hits you. Or maybe, maybe it's watching your loved one get older or get sick. And to watch that sickness and that, that old age just start to take an effect on them and take a toll on their body and their mind and know there's nothing you can do to stop it. Maybe it's sitting at 2 a.m. in the morning 
waiting for your teenager to pull in the driveway or at least to give you a phone call because you haven't heard from them and it's two hours past their curfew, but you're sitting there just absolutely helpless knowing there's nothing I can do. If you've ever had your identity stolen, people have stolen your financial information or your social security, well, that's a helpless feeling, isn't it? Someone is taking your information and using it and there's really, you're kind of powerless, aren't you? You think about the people in central Michigan right now with those dams breaking and their property and belongings being swept away by water. How, what a powerless feeling that must be. Or maybe you look at the political st- uh, nature of our country today and think, I've got one vo- voice and one vote. What difference does that make? I feel powerless in all of this. Or maybe it's this whole pandemic we're going through. What can you do, right? You can be as safe as you possibly can, but in the end, you can't control everything. There are so many times in life where I know you felt it too. You felt powerless, helpless. You finally come to realize I don't have control over things that I thought I had control over. But maybe it's not just circumstances in life, things that happen to you, but maybe it's even spiritual in nature. Have you felt powerless against a certain temptation? Helpless when it comes in your path? Maybe for you it's lust or greed or gossip. Right? Maybe it's an addiction to something that you've, you've convinced yourself pretty well that it's not a problem, I got it under control. But as soon as that temptation comes, you feel absolutely helpless and powerless. Right? When, when it's just one click to go to that website, who's going to find out? Or the friends are calling again and saying, hey, we're partying this weekend, we really want you to come. Or the thoughts, you know, this time I'm really going to strike it big at the casino and make up for all those other losses. Right? When, that, when you're faced with that temptation, with the, maybe that addiction that you're struggling with, you feel absolutely powerless when it gets you in its grips. And it's in those moments, isn't it, of helplessness and powerlessness that you feel that you feel so human. <laughs> you feel so weak. You feel like you have no control. And friends, let me assure you this morning that that's not necessarily a bad thing to finally own up to your humanness and your weakness and your feeling of helplessness and having no control over situations or even your own life or your own sinful flesh. You think that's how the disciples were feeling that day as they stood looking into the sky? Absolutely powerless, helpless. What do we do now? Right? Our, our friend, our brother, our God, our Savior, he's gone. What do we do? Right? That moment, they, they had to have felt of absolute loneliness and helplessness as they considered what this means for their future. 
But that didn't last very long, did it? Because those two angels appear and say, guys, what are you doing looking into the sky? Jesus told you that he's going to leave and he said he's going to come back in the same way that he left you and he just promised you that he's going to give you power. He's going to clothe you with the power of the Holy Spirit. Wait here in the city. It's going to happen. Wait for it. And that was enough for those disciples, wasn't it? Right there on that mountain, we heard in our gospel lesson, they worshipped God right there on that mountain. They were filled with joy And then they went back to their homes and every day they continued to gather for worship until that Holy Spirit came. But that was enough for them, that promise of power. And friends, that promise is the same for you. Yes, you, who so often in life feel so helpless and powerless and not in control of anything. Jesus' ascension means power for you too. This day of ascension that we're commemorating today is one that is often overlooked. Did you, ascension was actually this past Thursday, 40 days after Easter. That's the day that we commemorate Jesus ascended back into heaven. Um, Did you go through Thursday and even know it? (laughs) Maybe not. It's so overlooked. But that event is so significant. And maybe some of you have heard this. If you came for communion this week, I did a devotion with you and I talked about this. So I apologize for repeating, but it bears repeating. I will stand by that ascension is more important than Christmas. Though we don't have any ascension decorations, we still got our Easter things up. That's fine. It's the Easter season yet, right? We don't give gifts on ascension. Actually, maybe ascension, you should take those gifts back again, right? Uh, We don't make a big deal out of ascension like we do at Christmas, and that's fine. I'm not bashing Christmas by any means, right? It's good to celebrate Jesus coming, right? All of those promises fulfilled and being born, coming into flesh, to come and to be our Savior. But none of that matters if the ascension doesn't happen. Because what the ascension means is that everything Jesus came to do is done. There was nothing left for him to do. The checklist that the Father had given him was completely checked off, right? A perfect life? Check. A death for all sin? Check. A victorious resurrection from a grave to prove that death and sin and the devil are all defeated? Check. It's all done. The plan of salvation is complete. And so Jesus goes back to heaven. Ascension is the exclamation point on Jesus' work for you to assure you that everything is done. And so you see why this is such a significant day, such a significant event in the the life of Jesus, and so important for us as we consider our lives in this world. But even more than that, even more than the fact that Jesus' work is completed— Jesus' work still continues. Jesus is not ascended back into heaven just just taking it easy. He's not on vacation where he had this work to do a couple thousand years ago, and someday he's going to come back because he's got to judge the living and the dead, right? He'll have some more work to do then. But, But right now, Jesus is working for you. Right now, Jesus is in heaven 
interceding on your behalf. He is your reminder that the Father doesn't hold your sins against you anymore, right? For every time you sin, you deserve to be damned to hell. But Jesus is that reminder in the Father's presence. No, Father, those sins were paid for. They are righteous in your sight. I paid for those sins. Right? Jesus in heaven today is your assurance that you too will be there someday. Right? We heard in our, in our sermon lesson a couple weeks ago, Jesus said that I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I will come back to take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. The fact that Jesus is in heaven today is your assurance that you'll be there too someday. And Jesus ascending into heaven assures you that he is ruling and reigning over all things. Every problem you have, every struggle you face, every difficulty you endure, every sin that you commit, every government, every authority, every virus, absolutely everything is under Jesus' control as he sits at the right hand of the Father with all power and glory and majesty. Friends, do you see how important the ascension is for your life now and your life to come? This ascension that promises power, and, and not a power that you're going to find in yourself. Not a power that you have to muster up and, and you, so you can go and, and, and face life's problems better so that you can go and be a better Christian. It's not a power that, that, that you can find within yourself, that, that you can go and some sort of, uh, sort of control your situations and, and, and protect yourself and protect the people you love. No, it's, it's a greater power than that because it's a power from outside of yourself. And that's what our second lesson here that from Ephesians is all about, that power, the power of Jesus, our risen and ascended Jesus that he imparts to us, his people. The Ephesian Christians might have felt powerless too, right? just like those disciples as they watched Jesus ascend into heaven and like us, who so often feel so powerless and helpless and not in control of our lives or, or anything in our, in our world. These Ephesian Christians were undergoing persecution for their faith. There were false teachings that were creeping into the church and threatening that pure gospel. And those questions must have been coming to their minds. How can we hold on? How can we fight these enemies? How can we continue in our faith, in the true faith, and go and live that faith when, when there's so much opposition and so much persecution and animosity to what we believe? These Ephesian Christians were feeling powerless. And so Paul writes to them. And here in this beautiful prayer, this prayer which isn't just for these Christians of 2,000 years ago, but is for you today too, Christians of 2020, this prayer promising power. Listen again to, to how Paul starts out. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you 
the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Paul describes a power that you do not have, but that God alone has, that he desires to give to you. And, and look at how that power is described and what it can do. You'd think that maybe Paul would be inspired by the Spirit to, to go back to creation and talk about that power. Because that was some incredible power, wasn't it? There was absolutely nothing, and God said, let there be, and there was. All of a sudden, you've got this amazing universe, all by God's powerful word. But that's not what Paul is led to point to. Instead, he points to the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and now has seated him in the heavenly realms. That promise of power of life over death, of victory over seemingly sure defeat, of an eternity in heaven rather than an eternity in hell. That's the power that your heavenly Father has. The same power he desires to impart to you. The disciples got it, right? They got that power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised. They waited, they waited 10 days to the, the festival of Pentecost, and I'm not going to poach too much into that because we're going to celebrate that next Sunday, the festival of Pentecost. But it's on that Sunday that they were clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit from on high, and they were able to go and be his witnesses. They were able to go out and proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, crucified, risen, and ascended, in spite of all the opposition, in spite of the fact that 11 of those 12 apostles would lose their life for that message. They were given that power of the Holy Spirit, that power, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Father. They were given that power of that Holy Spirit to go and preach who Jesus is and what he means. And friends, it's that same powerful Holy Spirit that Jesus imparts to you. Oh, it's not in the miraculous way that you see on Pentecost with the tongues of fire and the being able to speak in all sorts of different languages. But that power is no more diminished today. That power is no less effective because today God works through the miracle of word and sacrament. God comes to us through words and through water and through bread and wine and there he fills us with power. The power to believe that all of this is true. The power to, to know God's forgiveness and to live a life of forgiveness. Right? That, that word and sacrament that empowers you to be a kind and gentle and compassionate people who love as you have first been loved. You are filled with the power of the Spirit through word and sacrament to go and to be his witnesses. To go with his word in your heart and on your lips to speak that word to your families and to your neighbors and to your co-workers and to the entire world, right? That you have been equipped with that power of God, the gospel, for the salvation of everyone who believes. It's been imparted to you. 
And friends, it's important for us to, to know and see how this power works in our lives because we have the power of Jesus, this power of the Holy Spirit that he promises and gives, but he doesn't give us the power to stop bad things from happening in our lives, right? We don't have that power. But you know what power he does give us? His power that when bad things do happen in our lives, when we have accidents, when our loved ones suffer and get sick, when these bad things happen in this life, Jesus promises, I'm there. I'm with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And he can sympathize with you in your weakness. And he can comfort you and encourage you and guide you to get through all the bad stuff we have to face in this life. The promise that Jesus gives to you and promises to you is not necessarily the power to say no to sin every time, right? To, to be able to be sinless for the rest of your life. But you know what he does give you? He gives you the armor of God. He gives you his mighty power to defend yourself against those attacks of Satan, to assure you that Satan has been rendered powerless, that he no longer has any power over you because he's been defeated by Jesus. The power Jesus gives you isn't necessarily that you can control everything in your life and make the right decisions all the time. But you know what power he does give you? His power that assures you that everything that happens in this life, absolutely everything, even the sin that you commit, will all work for your good, for your eternal good. That's the power of Jesus in your life. And then he gives us that power of the word too, right? Not, not that you can go and force somebody to believe that Jesus is their Savior, but you've got the powerful promise that God's word never returns to him empty, but will always achieve the purposes for which he sends it. This is the power that Christ gives you. Yes, you. Powerless, helpless as you might feel most of the time, is out of control, that it's everything around you really is, you have power. The power of the risen and ascended Christ. The power of the one who, Paul writes, says is now far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, in every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God has placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This is the Jesus who gives you this power. The one who was willing to become powerless for you. The one who was willing to be handed into the hands of sinful men and nailed to a cross to suffer hell, seemingly absolutely powerless and helpless, but yet through that, he gives you all power and everything that you need to be his own. The same Jesus who rose from the dead and ascended and now rules all things for you is with you to give you power.
Most of you know that just a few weeks ago, our brother Rich was called to his heavenly home. And in the last months of his life, he's what we would have said powerless. Right, Betty? Unable to do anything on his own. Uh, He required help for absolutely everything, even the most basic of tasks. And had you seen him in those last few months, you probably would have felt sorry for him. How powerless and helpless he laid in his bed. But friends, let me assure you that our brother Rich was not powerless. And he was not helpless. Because every day, he was reminded of who sits on the throne. He was reminded every day of the one who bled for him and died for him and rose for him and ascended for him and now rules all things for him. Every day he was clothed with power from on high as his faith was strengthened in his Savior Jesus and the promise of what that ascension meant for him that he has now realized. That Jesus had promised a place for him in heaven and now he's there. Don't think our brother who is now gone powerless, no. But through the Spirit, through that Spirit of wisdom and revelation, he knew his Savior. And his Savior knew him. And now he's with him forever. And friends, that promise is the same for you. Whatever situation you might be going through in your life, no matter what helpless, powerless, out-of-control situations you are dealing with right now or may deal with, Jesus is still on the throne. Jesus is still reigning and ruling, the one who bled for you and died for you and rose for you and ascended for you and now rules all things for you. And right now, He has one care and concern. And that's you. It's you. To bring you to himself someday. And until then, he will continue to guide you and strengthen you and give you the power of the Holy Spirit that you need to hold on. To hold on to the one that's already holding on to you. It's Jesus' goal to bring you to himself, to make you his forever. He will do it. Amen.